Welcome to Finding Holiness, where we delve into timeless Torah wisdom, revealing the sacred in everyday moments. Join us on a journey to elevate your spirituality and discover holiness in every aspect of life. I'm your host, Rabbi David Kadosh, and together, let's embark on a path of spiritual exploration. I hope you enjoy this next episode. everybody. Welcome to another edition of our Thursday night Parashat Shavua class. Here we are. A cold winter night, studying Parashat Vayigash. Tonight's Shiur is sponsored by Mr. Yaakov Medina in memory of his grandfather. The words of Torah that we say tonight, Amen. <coughs> tonight's topic is the word Goshen. Goshen, as many of us know, is the locale, the neighborhood, the city, whatever you want to call it, where Yosef set up for his brothers an eventual eventual descent of Yaakov Avinu toward in Mizraim. It was a city that, it was the first Jewish community outside of Israel, let's call it. And it turned out to be a community that lasted for over two centuries, until uh, eventually they spread into Egypt, and they were enslaved there. And there's a lot going on with this city, Goshen, and Chachamim speak about it at length. And um, of Pichas Friedman, who we usually speak about on, on Thursday, has some wonderful insights that I'd like to share with you about, about the city. And why specifically was that city chosen? So, Parashat Vaigash discusses the preparations that were made by Yaakov Avinu before descending to Egypt with his household of 70 souls. And there, part of that preparation, the Torah tells us, Ve'et Yehuda shalach lefanav el Yosef, Lehorot lefanav goshna. That he sent Yehuda, Yaakov sent Yehuda ahead of him to Yosef to prepare ahead of him in Goshen. Rashi says, What does it mean, lehorot lefanav? He says, Look at Unkelus, to clear a place for him. That's what he says. And to instruct how he will settle in the land. What is the meaning of lefanav ahead of him? Meaning before he would arrive there, Rashi says. And then Rashi brings a famous Midrash to establish a house of study. A bet Midrash where they would teach, where teachings would be forthcoming from that place. So what we want to explain tonight is the, the rationale behind Yaakov making Goshen consist of or I take that back, making that preparation consists of three components. Component of Yehuda was a big component. Yosef was another big component. And Goshen in itself as a city. The Midrash Tanchumas says something very enlightening. The Midrash Tanchumas, I'd like to read it for you, says, Bet Yehuda shalach lefanav el Yosef, this pasuk that we quoted, where Yaakov sends Yehuda, this is what the meaning of the pasuk is, Vesara kinat Ephraim. The jealousy of Ephraim was removed. What's going on? That's a pasuk in Yishayahu. 
לפי שהיה יעקב אבינו סבור שיהודה הרג את יוסף. מדרש אז, that Yaakov thought that Yehuda killed Yosef. That's the reason. All this time, because Yehuda, you're the one that killed your brother. When he brought him the tunic, Yaakov recognized it. That's, that's the tunic of my son. A wild beast devoured him. Who is a wild beast other than Yehuda? Shneemar, Gur, Aryeh, Yehuda. Yehuda is Aryeh. Yeah, we have, we, right? It's, it's, it's the lion, it's the wild beast. So Yaakov was hinting, who was the wild beast? It was you. It was you, Yehuda. You're the one who killed it. He ripped his clothing. He tried to console him. He didn't console him. The call, the Midrash continues. And all those years that Yosef was away in Egypt, away from his father, in Yaakov's heart, he felt Yehuda killed him. Where do you know this from? We know this from the whole episode of Binyamin. This is what Yehuda told Yosef. After the whole thing, the debacle with the, the goblet in this week's parasha, Yehuda comes and goes, no, you can't do it. Why? Because I'm the one that put myself in the middle. I'm the one who is, you know, I'm the middleman. I'm the guy who signed. The guarantor, Arev, is a guarantor for, for, for Binyamin. Once Yehuda put his life on the line for the sake of Binyamin, and it was made known to Yosef, now Yehuda cleansed himself. He's scot-free. He did Teshuvah. And that's the meaning of the pasuk, the jealousy of Ephraim, was, was removed. Okay. So now, therefore, the Pasuk says, So Yaakov sends Yehuda. Yaakov sends Yehuda. Next thing we need to figure out, and we're going to connect all of this at the end, is why Yaakov opted to send Yehuda specifically to Goshen. Why there? Now, on one hand, you could say it was an obvious choice. Yosef designated the city of Goshen as a place where his fathers, where his father and his brothers were going to live. We know this from the Pasuk. You will reside in the land of Goshen. You're going to be next to me. You, your sons, your grandchildren. All that is yours, you'll be next to me. It's on a simple level, I want you to be close to me. But why specifically in Goshen? There must have been other towns. That's another question. Furthermore, we have to, we, we want to figure out a very, very peculiar passage in the Midrash on this pasuk that we quote at the beginning, that Yaakov sent Yehuda ahead of him to Yosef. Look what the Midrash writes, something mind-boggling. We, we are taught from here, When do you 
light the candle on Motzei Shabbat. Kach shanu rabotenu, our rabbis taught us, en mevarechin ala ner ad sheyeotu leoro. You have that light, yeah, have that light. You don't see a beracha until you benefit from the light. Hence the whole things with the, yeah, the, the fingernails. Uminayin lamdu. Where do we know this from? Minak kados baruchu. We know it's from God. Shnei emar. Beginning of, of the chumash. Vayar Elohim et ha'or kitov. God saw the light, that it was good. So the fact that he was able to distinguish and he saw that it was good, Right after that, there's the Havdalah. That's where he made the difference between the light and the darkness. The obvious question, baffling the minds of the commentators, what in the world does the light of Havdalah have to do with this pasuk of Yaakov sending Yehudah to Yosef to Goshen? <laughs> where does this come from? All of, a, all of a sudden you're throwing me this question, where do you know that you have to light the, the, the ner of Havdalah? From, from what time do you have to... What's going on over here? So yeah, all yeah, of these things... The first time the door yeah, 100%, 100%. But we'll, we'll aim to, to uh, put it all together and understand it better. So, there is a perush in the Chumash, an unbelievable perush. It's very, very um, profound. It's a perush of the data zekenimi baaleto safot. Uh, you can find it in in many uh, mikraot kedolot. You find this perush, and he gives a commentary on the pasuk Vayalikrat Israel Goshna. So Yaakov comes to Mitzrayim. And the Torah tells us that Yosef goes out to greet him, and Vayal he went up Likrat Israel to greet Israel. This is his father Goshna towards Goshen. So he gives a couple of explanations. The dad zekanim. He says, one, he was elevated. What's the last one of Vayal? I'm, I'm seeing my father. I'm greeting my father. Uh, he became elevated. He just, there was this feeling, uh, this passion, this, to, to beat my father. I just, I, I felt uplifted. That's his first perush. The second perush is that, what does it mean he went up? He said that Goshen is on a higher elevation than the rest of Egypt. It's on a higher elevation than the rest of Egypt. Because it's located on the border of Eretz Israel. And he writes, Since Yehuda went to Yosef on behalf of his father to prepare Goshen for him, he was rewarded, Yehuda was rewarded, that Goshen would become part of his portion, of his territory in Eretz Israel. Not only that, here's a big chidush, and we're going to get to this soon. Paro gave Goshen to Sarah, to Sarah Imenu. And therefore, Israel, Yosef, chose it, it became theirs, the Egyptians didn't contest their claim to it. Now, interesting, if you open Sefer Yehoshua, in the, where the, the Sefer summarizes the conquest of Am Israel in the 11th chapter, Pasuk Tetzain, verse 16, it tells us, Yoshua took the entire land, Hahar, the mountain, Vetkola Negev, all of the south, Vetkol Eretz HaGoshen, and all the land of Goshen. Now, you look at the Radak, the 
Yeradak, one, again, one of the famous it commentators on... It's, it's located in Egypt, but it's on the border of, as you oh, said. Okay. So the Radak gives two explanations on this. And he says, his first explanation says, This is not the same Goshen of Egypt. However, in the second explanation, in the court of Midrash, Yes, this was the same one, the same Goshen. Vehi nivlaat betoch are Israel. It was annexed among the cities of Israel. Like it says that Yosef went up to greet Yaakov in Goshen. The teacher said Goshen was at a higher altitude, just like the rest of Israel was. And in the merit of Yehuda going ahead of his father and preparing the land, and we're going to talk about that today, Therefore, he merited having this land of Goshen being his, part of his territory. All the Shevatim had the land divided, other than the two and a half tribes that went on the other side of the Jordan. Goshen belonged to Yehuda. This is what was happening here. So what do we see? According to the Dazek and in the Baltosfot, they hold that the opinion of the Midrash, Goshen mentioned in Sefer Yehoshua, is the one that is bordering Eretz Israel. It's the same Goshen that is in, in Mitzrayim. And it was annexed into Israel. Um, and Yehuda was the one that took control over it. Now, why did the Egyptians allow that land to be annexed? Why give it away? It's their land. So this is what the Dazekanim says. Because Paro gave Goshen to Sarah Imenu. Back in the story, Paro takes Sarah earlier in Sefer Bereshit. Paro takes Sarah and wants to be with her. He, at the time, he doesn't know that she is the wife of Abraham. Eventually, she, she, he finds out. But before he finds out, says the Pirkei de Rabbi Eliezer, he actually writes up a ketubah. He writes a marriage contract for Sarah Imenu. Due to his immense love that he had for her, it's all uh, uh, described in the Piquet de Rabbi Eliezer. And included in that ketubah was gold, was silver, slaves, and lands. Which land did he give her? Goshen. That was her property. So now, B'nai Israel settled in the land of Goshen because it belonged to Sarai Menu. Now, Paro wakes up in the morning, he opens up CNN, Fox News, and what does he see? Sarah is the wife, breaking news, Sarah is the wife of Abraham. Uh-oh, now what do I do? So he's all dismayed. He didn't, he, he wrote the contract, he set it up, he gave it to her. He called to Abraham and he tells Abraham, take your wife, and not only do you take your wife, take all the gifts out of here. Go, take everything I gave her, including the land of Goshen. Don't say in this country, here's your wife, take her and go. So Paro, the ruler of Egypt, had already given the land of Goshen to Sarah hundreds of years before. And even after Akados Baruch Hu inflicted the Makot, plague after plague on Paro, uh, try, when, he, when he went to be with Sarah, and he failed to have relations with Sarah, he sent Abraham and Sarah along with all the gifts in the property, and the, and the land of Goshen remained as this 
inheritance, this heritage, inheritance, the heritage to, to B'nai Israel from Sarah Imenu. In fact, there's a beautiful allusion to this by, by, by the Hatam Sofet. He says, in, this week, in next week's Berasha, um, the, the Torah tells us, Vaychi Yaakov be'eretz Mitzrayim, Yaakov lived in the land of Egypt, Sheva Esre Shana, 17 years. Vaychi Yemei Yaakov Shenechayav, and the days of Yaakov, the years of his life, Sheva Shanim, Ve'arbaimu Machana, 147 years. Now, in, his com- in the commentary of the Riva, he asks a question. By all of the other avot, when it talks about how long they lived, the term, the proper grammatical term is vayihu. The years is a plural term. Vayihu, shene, the years of. But for Yaakov, it doesn't say vayihu, it says vayhi. Vayhi yeme Yaakov shene hayav. And he asks, why is it vayhi? And he answers, it's because Yaakov did not live a good life except for the equivalent of vayhi. Vayi is a numerical value of 31. Yud and Yud, that's 20. Vav, 26. Another 5 is 31. What are the 31 years that he lived a good life? The 14 years that he studied in the yeshiva of Shem Ba'ever, and the 17 years that he was with his son Yosef at the end of his life in Egypt. Says the Khatam Sofer, asks, what are you talking about? How can you compare the two time periods in, in Yaakov's life. On, you're you're going to compare the time where he was sitting in the Shiva in Israel with the fact that he's living in Egypt? Okay, he's with Yosef, but you're going to tell me those, those were good years? You're sitting in the Kedushah in Israel and you move to a land of immorality, a land of impurity, a land of disgust and garbage, and you're going to tell me that this is, this is good years? Says the Khatam Sofer, exactly. Exactly. Umikan, now from here, here is a clear proof to what the Tosafot, that the Kerim wrote. This Goshen is the same uh, Goshen that Yeshua spoke about in his Sefer. It was annexed, who became a part of Eretz Israel, belonging to the tribe of Yehuda. And hence, the Pasuk also says, where Yaakov tells his sons, I will descend with you to Egypt and I will surely bring you up. Bring you up. There is two, there is two, uh, leshonot of aliyah there. What is the two leshonot? Two ascents. The first ascent is a physical ascent to Goshen because, um, it was, sorry, the spiritual ascent to, to Goshen because it had the uh, the Kedushah Eretz Israel, and the second ascent is after he passed away is referring to uh, going back to Eretz Israel to Me'arat Machpelah in Hebron. But nevertheless, there's there's a physical and a spiritual ascent in Goshen as a Kedushah Eretz Israel. Why did this place merit to have the Kedushah Eretz Israel? What was so special of this place? Because of Sarah. Okay, yeah, well, that's uh, one definitely. But we're gonna see how. Okay, so he gives the Saras. Okay, so if he gave if he gave Sarah Toronto, okay, Toronto now is Israel. So what what's special about it? So this the answer to this it comes from the Zohar. The Zohar says on the pasuk, "Vayeshev Israel beretz Mitzrayim." Israel settled in the land of Mitzrayim, beretz Goshen, in the land of Goshen, vayachazuba, and they established holdings in it. They they grasped it. 
And they were fruitful and they multiplied greatly. So says the Zohar, where does it mean? Vayahazuba, it chasant almin. They had an everlasting inheritance. And because it was something that was meant for them. That's problematic. How could, how could the Zohar say that Vayeshev Yisrael Be'etz Mitzrayim Be'eretz Goshen is something that's everlasting? But then Yisrael left Egypt. After 210 years, they were gone. In fact, the halacha says you can't even go back, right? You can't even go back and, and live there. I know we, we know there were Jews that did go back and live there, but that's, a, that's for a different this time. But you can't even go back. So the Zohar is concurring with the Midrash that we quoted earlier, that Goshen became a part of Eretz Yisrael and was elevated through what? Through the Torah that was studied in that spot when Yehuda came and paved the way to open the schools and the teaching. So, the Zohar says, B'nai Israel established an everlasting inheritance and holding in Goshen because it was annexed as part of Eretz Israel. They established holdings in it because it was meant for them, because that's where their children and the grandchildren of Yaakov Avinu were going to establish schools and learn Torah and, and raise the Kedushah to the status of Eretz Israel. And hence, that's the meaning. These words indicate that that everlasting heritage became a permanent part of Eretz Israel through and due solely to the fact that they built Batei Midrash to study Torah. This would be a good opportunity to just take a tangent just for a couple of minutes to speak about the importance of setting up Jewish day schools and yeshivot. It is the first and must be the first thing that is done when a person opens up a new community. It's not me talking. You open up Shulchan Aruch, he says, you can't move to a place where there's no Torah education. The first thing you have to do when you come to a city is build a Bet Knesset. You have to collect whatever funds that you need from whoever the poor go around knocking on people's doors because the Bet Knesset and the Bet Midrash is the only way to continuity and ensuring that the Jewish people flourish. In Chutz yeah, specifically in Chutz This is not a time for discussion of there are too many yeshivas, there are too many Jewish schools, we don't need so. That's a, I'm not, I'm not getting into that. But there are people, unfortunately, that have a firm belief that Jewish education, Torah institutions are unnecessary. Unnecessary. Come to, come to, open up a chumash, go read, and that's all, that's, where are these people coming from? Where, where, what planet were they born? The whole fact that we thrive is, is as a result of the Torah that we learned. And, and this was the only reason why they were remotely successful in Mitzrayim. You think they stood a chance? 210 years in the most corrupt, immoral nation on the planet to ever exist? You think the Jewish people stood a chance? And yet, we're going to learn later on in Shemot that they didn't change their clothing, they didn't change their language. It's unbelievable what they accomplished. Where do you think that came from? It came from the fact that Yehuda cleared the road and said, the first thing that we're opening up here, before a supermarket, okay, is, 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 is a yeshiva, is a bet midrash. And we're going to have one bet midrash, and we're going to make sure that all of these 70 people who are coming with us, that's all there were, 70 at that time, are going to be learned individuals. And they're going to be role models for the next generations. 
And therefore, it's... And yes, yes, you can turn an Egypt into an Israel. You can turn Mitzrayim into Eretz Israel with one yeshiva, with, with one Bet Knesset. It's all the mindset and what your goal and your objective is when you come and you build a, a new community. Find me any Jewish community that has thrived that doesn't have it. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. The first thing you do when you go into anyone, has, uh, there's a few Jews, a million of Jews. Uh, where's the shul? The shul's here. Yeah, you have to have the shul. There's a shul. There's a shul. And there's a school. Because that's part of our continuity, the way we, we ensure the next generation to succeed. Says the, one of the, the, the bells of Rebbe, Zechudio, again and again, he says, the Yaakov sent Yehuda ahead to him to prepare ahead of him in Goshen. So, to prepare ahead of him, Rashi first says, like we said, to clear a place, to instruct him what to do, how to settle in the land properly. Goshen. Lefanav, to establish a house of study where you know that there's going to be instruction forthcoming. Says the Belzer Rebbe that both comments are in essence the same. According to the first Perush of Rashi, Yaakov sent Yehuda ahead of him to rid the land of Tumah. I got to clear the path. I got to remove any resemblance of Egypt here. Nothing. There's got to be, it's got to be pure kadosh. No impurity. That's the job of paving the way. To extend the Kedushah, like that road through the border of Eretz Yisrael, right into, right into Goshen. That will enable them to settle them for a long time. And that's the implication of the second Perush of Rashi, which is the Midrashic one, by establishing a house of study where instruction will come out, be forthcoming in Goshen, through the imbued Kedusha of Eretz Yisrael. Now, based on what we said, we can try to explain Yaakov's very profound intent of sending Yehuda to join Yosef, preparing this land. The Al-Shicha Kadosh on our parasha says something great. He says, why is there so much Tumah and immorality in Mitzrayim? Why did it prevail in this land? He says it's due to the, the ministering angel. The ministering, every, you know, every nation with the Sarsh and Mitzrayim. In the land of Goshen, there was no ministering angel. And the reason is because Goshen was given to Sarai Imenu. Sarai was pure, Sarai was righteous, and because of her Kedusha, the Tumah of Mitzrayim did not prevail in the land of Goshen. Says the Midrash, Sarai Imenu yarda le Mitzrayim, Sarai came down to Egypt, gadra atzma mina erva, and she safeguarded herself against immoral behavior. And as a result of that, all the women that were going to come to Egypt in the next few hundred years also were protected from immoral behavior. Yosef came down to Egypt. Did the same thing. Protected himself. And all the Jewish males now are protected in the Zechut of Yosef. Amar Baraba. Says Rabbi Chiyaba Abba, Kedai haya gedur erva be'atzmo shenigalu Yisrael al-yado. On account of this alone, safeguarding themselves against immorality, Israel deserved to be 
redeemed. So Sarai Menu was taken to Paro's house. Imagine, imagine the influence, imagine the threats she must have faced. Paro in her in her face to try to get her to sin, and she maintained her kedusha. She paved the way for all women in the future to maintain their Kedushah. And Yosef did the exact same thing. He paved the way for all the men to maintain their Kedushah in Mitzrayim. And as a result of that, they deserve to exit Galut Mitzrayim. Uh, another lesson, as we are we find ourselves in the fourth and final everlasting Galut, why, why is it taking so long? Immorality, it's all over the place. It's all over the place. It's on, it's on television, it's on magazines, it's on uh, newspapers, wherever you look. I was always away not long ago, and I, oh my good goodness, you know, what my eyes saw in a, in a city in the United States, which I'll fail to mention here on this, right? right? How can people live like, oh, what's going on over here? This is the immorality that plagues our society today. So uh, I, I hope none of them were, were Jews. I hope. I hope. But if we want to get out of this galut, this is one way we have to do it, is to safeguard ourselves and protect ourselves from the immorality. Look at the unbelievable remes to this idea brought down. In Parashat Miketz last week, when there was the hunger, and Yaakov was debating whether or not, or what to do. There's food in Egypt, there's no food in Eretz Israel. The Torah tells us, Yaakov Yaakov saw that there is grain in Egypt. Yaakov said to his children, why do you make yourself uh, conspicuous? Why, you want people to look at you? Because they had a little bit of food left over. You want people to be jealous of you? He said, I heard that there is food in Egypt. Go down there. Go down there. Collect food so that we shall live and not die. Apparently, says the Chachamim, Yaakov Avinu and his sons feared going to Mitzrayim because Mitzrayim was a hotbed of immorality. That's what it was. And they were concerned that if, if they go down there and they start mingle with the Egyptians, they're going to be corrupted by their ways. Yet when Yaakov perceived via Ruach HaKodesh that Sarah Imenu and Yosef HaTzadik were able to shatter, shever, lishbor, is to shatter, were to break the klipa of Mitzrayim with her Kedushah, paving the way for all the Jewish people in the future, he instructed his sons, go down to Egypt. He was no longer concerned that they were going to fail. Look at what how you interpret the pasuk. Let's read that pasuk again. Vayar Yaakov ki yesh shever Yaakov saw the protective influences, the gedrot yesh yud shin Yosef Sarah. Yaakov saw Yosef and Sarah. He saw what they were able to do. That they were shivru. That they shattered the Tumah of Mitzrayim through their exemplary levels of holiness. They paved the way for all of Kal Yisrael. So Yaakov tells his sons, Lama titra'u? Says the Targum Yonatan, Lama din atun dechalin lemichud lemitzrayim? Why are you afraid of going to Mitzrayim? You're afraid of immorality? You have nothing to worry about. Yosef and Sarah were there. They, they took care of it for you guys. You're good. I heard... I've heard Shamati there are provisions in Mitzrayim. Yosef and Sarah were already there. And now, don't worry about the Galut. Redu Shama. How much is Redu? 210. Redu, this was the hint. 210 years you're going to be in Egypt. It's okay. Just 210. Redu Shama. 
Go down. You're going to be able to shatter all the tumah, all the impurity that's over there. And you'll be amongst the living because the tzaddikim are called the living. Even when they're dead, they're called the living, as the, as the, Gemara, as the Gemara tells us. So that's the words of the Al-Sheikh. Yosef chose to have Yaakov and his brothers settle in Goshen because it was sanctified by Sarai Menu, who received that gift from Paro. When she was taken to Paro, she maintained that Kedushah. She allowed the future women of Klal Yisrael to sanctify themselves in Mitzrayim. Yosef did the same thing. When Sarah was, was, received Goshen as a present, she didn't just receive it as a present from a random guy. She received it from Paro, who was the root of all evil, the root of all Tum'ah. And therefore, once he gives that land, he removed all of those negative forces of impurity from the land. So Sarah was in total control of, of Goshen at that time. And now she can just infuse it with her, with her Kedushah. So this is really Yaakov's intent in preparation for his descent down to Mitzrayim with the 70 members of his household. First, he sends, he sends Yehuda to Yosef, the same Yosef who also maintained the Kedushah throughout his ordeal with the wife of Potiphar. He paved the way for the, the Jewish males, and then he sent them to the land of Goshen. The Tumah of Mitzrayim was, was removed from that, that place, and it, was, and it was replaced with intense Kedushah, all thanks to Sarah Imenu. And due to that combination of Yesh, of Yosef and Sarah, which paved the way for Klal Israel, Yaakov, and his household, men, women, and children. No problem. Go down. Redu Shama. You're going to survive and you're going to get out of there. Let's go back to that very, very crazy, complex Midrash that we quoted about the Pasuk. He sends, he sends Yehuda to Yosef, comes as a Midrash and says, when do you start lighting your Abdallah candle? Right, that's, that's the question that it asks. What in the world does Abdallah have to do with what we're talking about? Says of Tzadok HaKohen, He says there's a very important principle regards to Abdallah that a lot of people are unaware of. Yes, in the most simplest basic form, Abdallah is a separation between the holy and the mundane. Hamavdil ben Kodesh lehol. That's what it is. We have the Kedushah of Shabbat, holy, and you have six days of the week, hol, not holy, mundane. But he says the purpose of Havdalah is actually to extend the Kedushah of Shabbat to the upcoming week, week upcoming six days. <coughs> In fact, our Ashkenazi brothers, uh, they when they recite when they recite Havdalah, they recite six pesukim of Yeshua. We only say, we also say Pesukim, but they're not Pesukim of Yeshua. We own Pesuk of Yeshua. We say it's Kos Yeshua Tesa. That's the one we say. Ashkenazim say, Hine el Yeshua ti, Eftach velo evchad, Ki ozi vezimrati availi lishua, Ushaftem mayim besasom mimayinei haishua, Ladonai haishua lamecha bichatecha sela, Adonai oshia merchianen viyom korenu, And the sixth one is Kos Yeshua Tesa. So they say specifically six Pesukim, Six mentions of salvations, which allude to the influence of Shabbat, the extension of the Kedushah to the six days of the week. That's why the rabbis tell us in Masechet Pesachim, Daf Kufi Gimel that amongst those people who will inherit Olam Haba, 
who one of the people who will get Olam Abba is Hamavdil Alayayin Bemotzei Shabbatot. Someone who says Havdalah on wine on Motzei Shabbat. Right, that's all I got to do? Say Havdalah on wine on Motzei Shabbat? That's it? So it says, Gemara explains what the rationale is. Mahi, what's the meaning of this? The Meshayar Mikedusha Le'avdalta. Because he leaves over wine from Kiddush to Havdalah. Shabbat is a semblance of Olam Haba. Shabbat is one sixtieth of Olam Haba, according to Gemara Masech Brachot. So when a person leaves over from Kiddush to Havdalah, it means he's retaining the Kiddushah that was contained in Shabbat, even after Shabbat has departed. And I'm keeping it with me. And he's amongst those who inherit Olam Haba, because even during the week, he's retaining a part of Olam Haba. Because Shabbat's a part of Olam Haba. He's extending the Kedushah. So this is the association between the candle of Motzei Shabbat and the sending of Yehuda to Yosef in Goshen. This was all part of the preparation of Galut Mitzrayim, the exodus of Egypt. Because a person can ask, what exactly was the point? So what if the property was given to Sarayimen? So what if the property was given to her who sanctified herself in, me, in Egypt? Sarah already died. What do I care? Uh, years later, you know how many people probably lived in Goshen at the, in the meantime after Sarah went back to Israel? She was buried in Israel. She didn't even die there. She left. But the answer is very clear based on this whole mashal of the candle of Abdallah. That's the nature of Kedushah. Even after it's departed, it leaves behind an impression. Rashi's first question is, why does the Torah have to tell me that Yaakov left Beersheba? I don't care. Just, I knew he was in Beersheba. Tell me he went to Haran. The, the, the Torah should say, Vayelech Harana. Parasha should have been Vayelech. We could have two Vayelechs in the Torah. Vayelech Harana and Vayelech Moshe. That's what we should have had. It says Rashi, Magid Shietziyat Tzadik Minamakom Oser Roshem. That when a tzaddik leaves a place, it makes an impression. When a tzaddik lives in the city, he is the magnificence, he's the splendor, he's the grandeur. But once he leaves, all that goes away. So although the tzaddik has left his place, and the splendor and the grandeur that came with him, and left with him, but it still leaves an impression. He leaves an everlasting imprint on that place. So hence the reference of the Midrash to the mitzvah of Havdalah. We recite the Beracha over candle when, says the Midrash, when you have benefited from its light. So you benefit from, his, from the light, which means that only after you've been privileged to benefit from the Kedushah of the illumination of Shabbat, which is what the purpose of Abdallah is, then it's possible to now leave and depart into the, your six-day work week. And that, because that's the nature of Kedushah. Even after it's left, it leaves behind a lasting impression. There's that Kedushah that remains with us. And that's why Yaakov sent Yehuda ahead of him to Yosef to prepare the land for Goshen. Yes, Sarai Menu passed away. She's no longer with us. She left Goshen right away. She took her gold or silver from Paro and she went. She lived in Eretz Israel 127 years. She died. But even after she died, even after she went to Olam Abba, that profound impression was left 
a mark was made on that land because of the incredible Kedusha that she was able to infuse in the land. And that was accepted for a few, a couple centuries amongst the children of Yaakov. And as a result of their creation of a Torah system, of a Torah study, clearing away all the Tumah thanks to Sarah and Yosef, they were, able to, they were able to thrive. Of course, we know it didn't last long because of the slavery of Paro. But they had something set up there. But with all the slavery, with all the makot, and with all the sufferings that they went through for 210 years, comes Yoshua, fast forward, a few decades. And what happens? I'm taking this. Thank you very much. That's my land that I want. That belongs to me. And who's going to get it? Yehuda's going to get it. Because you were the one that put yourself on the line. You're the one that went there to risk your life as the guarantor. And therefore, you're going to be the person who's going to pave the way, who's going to ensure that the Kiddushah is there, and you're going to inherit that land in the future. Have a wonderful night, everybody. Be well.